Lucas, it's the brushes. They trap people inside paintings. <laughs> Tread on dangerous ground, young one. Give me the brushes. Forget it. You're done. <laughs> I have hunted for centuries, and I will hunt for centuries to come. You cannot stop me. Good evening, Gut Buckets. This is Big Orange Couch, the 90s Nickelodeon podcast, where we talk about all things 90s Nickelodeon. My name's Joey. I'm Andrew. Boo! <laughs> it's Chris. Yeah, that was good. That is scary. <laughs> uh, this is episode 127. We're talking uh, the unfinished painting versus the mystical mirror. Finally. Excuse me, the tale of yeah. those. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, between Joe and Chris. Yeah, I'm defending unfinished painting. I'm defending the tale of the mystical man. <laughs> did you notice on Amazon that my episode didn't have the tale of in front of it? I oh. did notice that. Yeah, it's weird. And it's kind of thrown everything off for me. Yeah? Yeah. In what way? <laughs> I don't know. It just... I don't think your episode belongs. Hmm. Okay. Because it's like so good that it doesn't fit with the rest of the series or... <laughs> no, I think I think that the sloppy naming is just <laughs> whoever was naming it was so excited. Like I love this episode, unfinished painting, uh, like unfinished writing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we can get into that. Um, well, uh, yeah. So two episodes that are conceptually similar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that was the emphasis here. Whilst, yeah, I think it's a really good matchup. I mean, I, wa- I rewatched these in yeah. prep for this, and I think they just have different strengths. Um, so I, I don't know. I think they're what pretty would, even. What would you say is like what they share in common? Man, what, yeah. Because um, I think that they do share something in common. Yeah, it's kind of hard to put your finger on what exactly it is. It's like uh, both girls are like after something like. After being better in some way, I guess. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I both girl-centric episodes. Oh yeah, yeah. Both very girl-centric. Yeah. Um, which is cool. They both feature um, villains who live forever. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Which is also a weirdly <laughs> specific yeah. similarity. Yeah. The scares rely mainly on wrinkled faces. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on a fear of getting old. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. I mean, really I've, similar, I think. I mean, the fact that, yeah, the, and they aired not that far apart from each other, which is even stranger. Um, yeah, I think they're a good matchup. I think I, I think you may disagree, but I think the quality of the episodes are in the same ballpark. No, I agree. Yeah. Okay. I, okay. I do agree. Okay. I mean, for the purposes, I will stop agreeing as soon as we get into our debate. <laughs> I appreciate that. But, <laughs> but, but I do think that they were... When I watch my episode, I'm like, oh, I got this. Yeah. Like, because yeah. I watched it before I watched yours. And then I watched yours. I'm like, you know what? This is a pretty good episode, too. Yeah. And if I, I told you when I watched mine, I felt kind of like, because I hadn't seen yours since the 90s. I couldn't even recall it. Um, 
And uh, I watch mine. I'm like, oh, no. Like, I hope his <laughs> is really bad. Uh, but then when I watch yours, I realize, like, oh, no, this is, like, just kind of mediocre. Are you afraid of the dark? Both episodes. Uh, oh, mediocre. I huh? think that they're actually good episodes. You do? I think they're you both good You put them episodes. in the good tier? Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, I think because... I think... Well, I'm not going to get into the specific reasons, but... <laughs> Uh, one, one thing that I did find is like, I was surprised that I recalled specific details, um, from both of them that stuck with me. Yeah. Um, yeah. I agree. I mean, I think they're both better than mediocre. Okay. Yeah. I think that they're ones that we overlooked. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. I think maybe because (laughs) I think it's your, your inherent misogyny that maybe prevents you from. (laughs) That's it. Yep. (laughs) Um, well, this is your first time um, on a versus, not as a uh, the judge. Yeah, yeah and and uh, to be transparent here, I'm in Andrew's chair, and because <laughs> it records better than the judge's chair. Yeah, <laughs> and man, it feels it's it's kind of intimidating. Oh, really? Yeah, I feel like I've got to really bring my A game. I can't oh. just be like a secondary. Well, I hope you do, but I thought it would feel like empowering. Yeah, I don't like feeling empowered. <laughs> I like kind of creeping on the edges. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, it should be a good. It should be a good versus. Oh, yeah. um, the topics we have here today um, are as follows: We have story, which we always do. Uh, for an Are You Afraid of Dark? We have Midnight Society, which is a regular uh, versus category. We have scariness, another regular. We have main characters, um, and then we have a. Uh, what we call either like use of concept or execution, uh, which is the things the episodes share in common. Who does it better? The things we just kind of rattled off there. Can we go in the order though that you sent these to me in? Um, sure. What was the order I sent them? Because it makes them more sense to me. Okay. Starting with story. Yeah. Then main characters. Yeah. Then scariness. Okay. Then execution, and lastly, midnight. Midnight society. Okay. Does that make sense? To <laughs> yeah. You? Oh, I get it. You're probably not in any rush to get to that midnight society. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think that's the wild card category. Cause oh, it's like, I don't think so. <laughs> you think so? I genuinely... Well, first of all, I think just regardless of the episodes, it's like the wild card category. That's true. Uh, especially on the verses. Those have really... had a. Um, there's been a tendency of the Midnight Society segment deciding the yeah. winner. Yeah. <laughs> so now uh, I'm a little nervous because you're so confident. <laughs> well, no, that usually backfires. I mean, I was honestly nervous until I saw yours. Like, I was nervous when I watched mine, and then I saw yours, and I'm like, oh. Well, we had the same reaction then. Yeah, okay. Which is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Good. They're both bad. <laughs> well, see? Yeah, they're both bad. Wow. Suddenly they're bad? The, no, not the episodes. The uh, Midnight oh, Society. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, no, they're not both bad. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Um, before we get going, just a little, little uh, information here. Unfinished Painting aired in Season 4. Episode 11, that would be January 7th, 1995. Uh, and then just uh, about 10 months later, Mystical Mirror airs uh, Season 5, Episode 4. That's the, November 18th, 1995. That, that would be the 56th episode. Yeah, pretty, pretty, pretty late in that um, yeah. um, original yeah. run. All right, so then are you ready for verses? Are you afraid of the dark? Um, 
okay, so you want to start with story? Yeah, why don't you start us off? Show me how it's done. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I'll just give a kind of a real quick recap. We have um, we have Cody here, who is uh, an art enthusiast. Mm-hmm. Uh, she likes to draw. She feels maybe her talents are insufficient, uh, that she's struggling. She has kind of an artist block. Uh, when she encounters uh, a little girl who is staring at her, runs away, drops her hat. Cody nicely goes to give her hat back. Uh, she thinks she's gone into this art gallery. When she wanders into the art gallery, she's kind of blown away by these paintings on the wall. Um, and she encounters Mrs. Breyer, who runs the art gallery and encourages her to work at her studio if she's struggling with these um, art, you know, this blockage. Uh, and she has a bunch of unfinished paintings where she encourages students to kind of get through it that way to finish these paintings. And so Cody does that, um, and uh, we find out that uh, Mrs. Breyer is actually using these girls uh, for the purpose of once they finish the painting and sign their names, they're captured to the brushes. Um <laughs> And uh, and um, she uses that to stay young, or you know, we think to stay young, even though she looks kind of old. Uh, <laughs> you you mentioned it, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like this uh, is her dream to be seventy forever. <laughs> uh, well, there is also the uh, the uh, the shrunken head in the closet, um, who she's kind of offering these girls up to. Uh, he's I, I think he's the real guy in control. Uh, she's. I think what we deem the hunter uh, yeah. as comes up a couple times in the episode, which is um, a cool. Detail. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the brushes trap the girls and, uh, Cody uh, catches on to it, but you know, it's too late. Uh, uh, she finishes the painting under pressure, uh, is in, 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 captured. Um, luckily her boyfriend Lucas comes to try to help, uh, the, I know, I know the boy has to save the day. I got it. Uh, <laughs> But no, Cody takes things into her own hands. She snaps. She snaps the brush. She gets out. She gets the other brushes. Cody brings them. Uh, destroys the brushes. Releases the girls. Destroys uh, the hunters. Um, and uh, so that's the story. So I think some of the, some of the things I like. One, I like that it's a rare "Are You Afraid of the Dark?" about like art and inspiration. Uh, I think that's like pretty uncommon compared to what you'll be dealing with. Uh, the, (laughs) I think, uh, I think, (laughs) I think, uh, the, I think all three people sitting here probably would have a better time connecting to this episode as far as like wanting to make something and like feeling blocked by it. Yeah. Um, I think, um, it's cool that they play on like somewhere where an artist feels safe. So like rather than, um. Well, again, I'm not going to get into yours yet. So, like, just I just like the idea that Cody, um, the reason she's in this gallery is, like, she's really trying to overcome this obstacle. Um, and uh, that's why she's there. I think uh, as far as, like, the writing, which you seem to indicate uh, there's a problem. I think dialogue-wise, my episode is much more subtle, uh, less, like, cringy lines, less, uh, like, dumb, are you afraid of the dark dialogue, and more, like, a little more, like, subtle uh, than your episode. Hmm. Um, I think the art gallery is really a memorable setting, uh, like more memorable than I think anything in the two episodes. Like I really remember that gallery, uh, from when I was little. I'll give you the, I think the unfinished paintings look cool. Amazing. Yeah. The paintings are cool. Like I want I'm like, I would like to go to a gallery yeah. that just has yeah. those kind of unfinished paintings. <laughs> yeah. I think it's a cool aesthetic. Totally. 
Uh, yeah, I like those too. And then um, I'd actually argue that them not fully explaining like the mythos of like what's happening, like you you get clues as to what's happening. I love that you think that's a strength. I do. Uh, I like because very few are you afraid of the darks like. <laughs> kind of keep it close to the vest they usually are just like here like here is what is exactly happening there's some curse or like there's some graveyarders there's some dead kid like they usually just give it all to you but i like that kind of even at the end i'm i think i'm sure of kind of what's happening but i'm not totally sure uh and that usually they usually don't do that so i felt like it was actually like a chance like they were taking a chance Mm mm-hmm um plus the imagery in this episode like the artist like the art the way they like convey the art being inside the paintings like it actually gives you something to look at and think about um you know you have you have your inspirations there you have like the monet painting or the degas like they actually like shoot it as if you're in the painting i thought that was really cool gives you like a break like a kind of like a mental like whoa yeah i yeah, okay. I'll, I'll pause there so you can talk a little bit about um, Mystical Mirror and then we can um, dig in. Yeah, uh, it's always tricky with you in these to know which of these statements you actually believe. Every and... single one of those statements, I believe. Hmm. Even, <laughs> it, uh, okay, let me, let me but before getting into mine, I just want to introduce what, before I forget, what my kind of, what I think that I want to talk about with yours uh, okay. has to do with what you said about the brother. This is just a an example of the overarching problem I see, which is the Lucas. brother. Lucas. That's that's her brother. That's not How do you know that? Because I read like six summaries. But those people don't know that. Yeah, but she calls... I, it's First, it's su- super creepy. <laughs> either way. It's a real bad situation either way. What's wrong? Lucas, what do you see over there? A tree? Exactly. That's what I see, too. Wait, you lost me. Okay, if you want to create art, I mean, the kind of art that moves someone, then you have to see more than what's obvious. You you have to become a part of what you're drawing. Or it's just going to be lines on paper. I know how to make lines. I'm not so sure I'm ever going to know how to draw. I think you're the most talented person I know. Hey, you'll get it. Be patient. Okay. I, I Okay. And I think that it's indicative of, like, the sloppy writing. I love the concept, but anyway. Okay. Uh, okay. So, um, first quick question for Andrew before I get into this. Do you remember, do you recall who Joey consistently praises as the best storyteller on Are You Afraid of the Dark? <laughs> um... That's right. Sure. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. She tells this story. So she yeah. a rare th- misstep. This is this is a Betty Ann story. <laughs> this <laughs> this is, is a Betty Ann story. Uh, so I think that I mean the strength of both of these uh, episodes is the story itself. I think that they're cool stories that are pretty well thought out, especially compared to other. Are afraid of the dark? Uh, I just think that mine is the execution. Well, we, execution is a separate category. The writing is better, and the staging, the directing, I think, in particular, is a lot better. Um, so it starts off, we're in a creep in the woods, right? And we, we open midnight, with... Obviously the Midnight Society set. Can we agree on that? <clears throat> the, the campfire, like the stones around it, are exactly the same. Well, 
Uh, and I'll, I'll one-up you that the, the cages, do you remember the cages? Those are from Watcher's Woods. They are. Um, which are great. Maybe the best part about Watcher's Woods. You think those look good? Oh, yeah, they look like they're made of, they look like they're made of human bones. They're terrifying. No, oh, no, those look so fake. Uh, they look like they're made of human bones. <laughs> the bones are their money. <laughs> so are the worms. <laughs> Alright, so we open with Tannis, who becomes like a, char- a character we don't even see until the end, which I think there's a neat... I thought her name was Tannis, but closed caps and said Janice. No, it's Tannis, which is a very Canadian name. I've met oh. a Canadian girl named Tannis, that's why I know that it's Tannis for sure. <laughs> it's a very Canadian name. <laughs> it is. Okay. So we open with Tannis, um, and she's kind of stuck in the woods. We hear a ghoulish cackle. Sure. Uh, and we see the body, but not the face of a witch, and that's our open. Love it. Very creepy. Next scene, we learn that Tannis, uh, who's the last girl who worked at the beauty shop, has gone missing. So again, we get uh, really subtle Are You Afraid of the Dark writing, where they're not hitting you over the head with it. They're just kind of subtle. <laughs> well, I don't think we have to, like, nothing subtle about Are You Afraid of the Dark, really. Well, subtle for Are You Afraid of the Dark, because I agree with what you said about... Um, are you afraid of like sometimes hitting you over the head with like yeah. what's happening? Yeah. And I think both of these episodes do a good job at like hinting at, at showing, not telling. Mm-hmm. But I think that in your case, there's just too much left unexplained. Whereas like here we get stuff that's shown, but not really explicitly told through the dialogue, which is, I think a, a testament to both episodes, but I just prefer when like you still, it's a kid show after mm-hmm. all, mm-hmm. when you do get things that are shown that like connect the things that aren't just like in dialogue this is what is really happening. Anyway, Laurel brings her friend Cindy to the beauty store where Vicky, who's being a total Bowser. Lipstick. Little blush and you'll look great. I'm like the Zero the Clown. You won't. You should have seen Vicky when she first came here. What a Bowser. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, according to Laurel, great 90s Are You Afraid of the Dark yeah. line. I don't know if that's Canadian vernacular or just 90s vernacular was not... A Bowser. Yeah. Is it in reference to Mario? I don't know. But she calls her a total Bowser. Oh. <clears throat> so, uh, Vicky and Laurel work there. Uh, Laurel is trying to give Cindy a mini makeover when Miss Valenti... Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got Mrs. Briver's Miss Valenti, and I. that's a bloodbath for uh, Miss Valenti. That's a, that's a conversation for characters, though. Um, the proprietress <laughs> enters... Um, Boasting a new shipment of merchandise from Milan mm-hmm. uh, that she wants her beauties to try. And I, I like that, um, again, the writing, I think, is really consistent throughout. It's got the same tone. There's that creepy way in which she re- keeps referring to them as her beauties, but we don't really know why. But f- right off the bat, we know there's something kind of off with her. Um, Considering they've all probably only worked there for like a week. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Right. It's It's creepy. Uh, Laurel tries to convince Miss Valenti to bring Cindy on as a replacement to the recently missing teenage girl Tannis, who's just <laughs> gone, who's just gone missing, and they're like, "Oh, we need to hire someone else." And Valenti seems weirdly into it and calls her a diamond in the rough, despite Cindy, like, clearly being like a dweeb, right? <laughs> a dweeb. Um, your, your words. <laughs> And, disf- and despite Vicky's protestations, who Vicky says no geeks need apply. <laughs> Vicky's the worst. Um, <clears throat> so long story short, turns out Valenti is a witch who steals the youth from the young women she recruits to work with her. Right. And this is never 
overtly stated. We just get it in images. Like, her and Cindy, like, again, like, really cool showing and not telling. We we first understand that she's a witch just by this play of mirrors in the episode. There's lots of mirrors in the episode, and they're, like, kind of what reveal the truth, which I kind of like that. And it's never overtly talked about by the characters, but, like, the first visual we get of Valenti is... Um, as maybe something more than she looks is when Cindy is like peeking around the corner at Valenti looking in a mirror mm-hmm. and Valenti like the mirror like fogs up yeah. and it and the camera cuts away before we can see what's really behind there which I think is cool like kind of delaying what we especially for a kid like you probably are onto it as an adult but as a kid it might you know it be amplifying the suspense eventually um, Cindy kind of puts together that there's something going on. She doesn't, she says, uh, classic line, great line. Uh, you know, for for someone who's like as conceited as, as Valenti is, it sure is weird that she doesn't have a mirror in her bathroom. And I thought that was a really good detail. Looking pale. Give me a break. How can you be so vain and not have a mirror in your bathroom? Yeah. Which when she goes to the in the bathroom. Or a problem with the writing, I would argue. Why? Because Valenti allows her to go to the bathroom to and says, put on lipstick uh-huh. in a bathroom where there is no mirror. Yes. Meaning she's given the opening for this girl to discover something she doesn't want her to discover. Uh but what wait, before you write that down, <laughs> I'm not I'm right. I, you don't know what I'm writing. <laughs> I don't, I'm just keep in mind, keeping my thoughts. Just because Joey makes a point doesn't mean that he's not that I'm, he's watching the episode closely. So if you actually think about it, <laughs> what what happens right before that scene yeah. is that Valenti gives her the mirror mm-hmm. that is meant to trap her in. Mm-hmm. That the whole purpose of the mirror that she gives her is meant to trap her in. So yeah. she's telling her to go put on lipstick in order for her to use that mirror, right? Which begins the process of trapping her in. So it's actually a smart move by Valenti. <laughs> okay, and good writing. So a couple points. Number one. Uh, I don't know if you remember, but I let you talk uninterruptedly before ma- sat on my <laughs> my uh, my protestations about okay, your okay, points. Okay. Um, and I, you know, I'd appreciate the same thing. Okay. Just collegiality. Sure, here. sure. Um, and and second, I I think for what I like about those things, like you you brought up the the pictures of so as Cindy's going up the stairs, she sees these pictures of Valenti, you know, from like 1920 and like. 1950 and 1970 and she's the same person she's the same age right again uh makes wildly more sense that she would want to be eternally like a hot 30 year old uh blonde woman rather than eternally a 70 year old old lady um uh that just makes more sense if we're thinking about writing to me um but also yes obviously that's going to be a clue to any adult more than a clue it's going to be like pretty obvious to any adult watching the show but I think to a kid, that's like a creepy moment. Like, why why are all these pictures looking the same? And I think illustrates one of the differences between our episodes, which is, um, again, like, my episode does a lot of visual clues about what's going on um, and doesn't ever explain anything through the narrative itself, whereas your episode has a lot of moving parts that are just not explained visually or, I mean... Definitely explained visually. The, the paintbrushes? Sure. What, why are the paintbrushes magical? The How did they get magical? The head. What, what did the head do to it? He, he controls it. So as long as you offer those sacrifices to him, he will keep you alive. 
but why why does it have to be in the paintbrush and why does it have to be the signature and more importantly uh-huh. why does mrs briar sign her paintings mrs briar does she not have a first name have you ever heard of someone signing their paintings? If Mr. Bean, Mr. <laughs> but she's she's the teacher. She's the teacher. Yes, I understand that. I would love to see an example in the history of the world of a of anyone signing their mm-hmm. paintings, Mr. or Mrs. Yeah. It's okay. Weird. Anyway, I digress. Uh, so, um, Cindy. Uh, so so Valenti wants the the girls to come over to try on the new wardrobe and this is going to be her chance to trap them in the mirrors she successfully traps uh vicky um with a some sort of cool hat that vicky loves and in another you know nice moment of writing um which is paralleled with another moment of writing in your episode um laurel comes over to get her watch um and uh from vicky and notices the hat and says "Ooh, vicky would love this hat um, she would die for this hat. And uh, Miss Flinty says, I bet she would. Yeah, there is a parallel line yeah. in both episodes. Yeah, which uh, um, which she I liked. She would die if she saw this. I'm sure she would. Tomorrow? Oh, tomorrow's perfect. Thank you. You know, you won't regret this. <laughs> Bye. I'm sure I won't. Um, and so another thing I like about this episode is that Laurel, who's kind of seems to me like the most interesting character of these characters, she ends up getting trapped too. Um, and uh, so uh, basically the, the mechanism for them being trapped is uh, there. She, she, uh, another a moment of good writing, I think is that, Valenti is after their souls and through their souls and their beauty, she remains eternally beautiful. Um, but, and the mechanism by which she traps these girls is through their vanity. Like her big sin is vanity. And she uses that sin of vanity against these girls to trap them in, which I think is uh, a nice little touch. Um, and, um, and then she poisons them uh, and somehow is able to turn them into dogs, mm-hmm. which is also kind of a, a creepy uh cool thing um but in the end uh we 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 see that cindy saves the day um and kind of destroys this curse in a very similar kind of ending let them go give that to me no change them back or i'll break it what is it you want my child you cannot stop me. Maybe not, but your victims can. Um, except I think one key difference is that uh, this episode remains, starts and remains girl-centric. Mm-hmm. Um, that we don't need the male figure, like you are saying before, to come in and save the day. Um, we have the girl, only girls in this episode... There are literally no male characters and uh, the girls, you know, are the ones who get into the problems and the girls are the ones that solve the problems. Um, Well, uh, what I would say is I think your episode is more of uh, what I would call like a generic Are You Afraid of the Dark 
don't think it has as much depth as you're saying. Uh, I mean, the episode takes place pretty much over the course of, I don't know, three, four hours. Uh, it's It happens like, I mean, Cindy shows up at the shop and they're done by that night. Um, so I think like it happens very, very quickly. Um, I think the actual writing of your episode, well, not the writing, but like the, the process in which things play out is kind of clunky. Like, like the pacing? Um, no, like the idea of like what's happening. So like first that you need a mirror, then you need like a potion, then you need, uh, then, then once you drink the potion, like she has to like recite this poem to you. Then once you or like you, she has, you have to turn into a dog first and then she recites this poem and then she needs your tongue. Uh, oh, and I then, forgot to, I mean, I'm going to save that for scariness, but cutting <laughs> out dogs tongues. That's yeah. crazy. Uh, well, just the fact that they turn into dogs is kind of like lame as hell but uh so she could cut out your tongue <laughs> that's scary man yeah, i get okay that i i get you like it but like i just think like it felt very like oh lord this is like way more than they need to be doing here i mean if if it's the mirror then like i don't really need the potion i don't really need these like these it, they like it's a lot like within the short amount of time that everything's happening it feels like a lot uh, so I would also say that, uh, it's a little bit of a problem in the storytelling that this woman is like this recognizable store where workers just go missing, but nobody has put it together. Well, it's only happened once. Tannis is the only one. Then how has she been young for a hundred years? Because she might've been doing something else somewhere else. But she says she's owned the store for <clears throat> a long time. Does she say that she's owned the store for a long time? Yeah. Well, we, we know that. So maybe this is the first time that she's been actually been able to do this. But she's she hasn't owned the store for a hundred years. I mean, she's been alive for a really long time, and I think that maybe she's just saying that. Um, but she needs three beauties, and she only has one, and it's mm-hmm. Tannis. Mm-hmm. And Tannis is re- recently reported missing. So, like, I think eventually, if 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 her plan succeeded and two other girls went missing from this store. Yes, that would be suspicious, but by that time she would move on okay. uh, somewhere else. I would also say the complaint about but that's like, the same thing for yours. What's that? The same problem. Like if a bunch of girls go missing from the yeah, same but they're not place, employed. They're not employed. They're just wandering into this gallery. But their parents know that they're hanging out there every day, presumably. Not necessarily. What are you just assuming they have terrible parents? Uh, every kid on Are You Afraid of the Dark has terrible parents. That's true. Um, also, like so that, the, that works for both. The thing, no, no, because she's employing. Like, there's a record of like these girls in both that cases are all going missing. Work for this woman. Oh, they're definitely getting paid under the table. First of all, they're like fifteen. <laughs> okay, well, we're not writing the episodes, but um, but I'm, but I'm saying your your critique works just as much so. for yours. I don't think so. There's a legal obligation to employment rather than enthusiast of art they're not signing we don't know in in both cases it's structurally similar where the girls are spending all of their time at one place so uh the the point you made about mrs briar being 70 well like in your case your episode is about beauty so it makes sense that this woman wants to stay young in my episode it's not beauty based it's 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 solely like the idea of being eternal so like i am assuming that whenever mrs briar encountered this shrunken head uh, this is who she was, but he promised her to keep living. It wasn't about like being beautiful. It was about just living. So like conceptually, like they don't work, they don't cross over there because mine's less, um, about aesthetic and more about living. Uh, it's just about art. It's definitely about aesthetic. 
No, but not Mrs. Briar doesn't really care about the art. She she cares about living. Well, if she doesn't care about the art, then why? How did this even? How did she end up owning an art studio? Who knows? How? Yeah, exactly. That's the problem. Well, we don't know how your lady. I mean, like both of these, like no, we, no. It makes sense for the person who's obsessed with their own beauty to own yeah. a beauty store. That yeah. makes sense. It doesn't make sense for someone who doesn't care about art to own a painting studio. Well, did you notice what the name of the studio is? No. No. The, the Hunter Gallery. That's uh, a good. That's a good uh, detail. Yeah. Like so that. they 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 clearly have organized something here that has worked over the ages, uh, which is to play on people who are internally frustrated, which are usually artists or people trying to create something. Um, so I don't think that's as big of a problem. I'd also say like the fact that your episode's only girls is actually playing on like a like a kind of a dangerous teenage girl cliche, which is all that matters is appearance and beauty and like that's what makes you feel worth and i know what they're saying is you know there's that quote at the end of the episode i guess you can't tell by looks if you're a beauty or a beast but that's like Hell a real yeah. like that's like a real oof like oof oof like uh we've seen this a million times um where i've never i've never seen a, a story told quite like the one i've when uh, unfinished painting well uh i've seen the story where the the male saves the day from all the females quite a bit and yeah, I, but he doesn't you actually don't see the story. He actually doesn't quite save the day because it's her that has to crack. He doesn't do anything, really. She's the one that finds the paintbrush, cracks it and gets out and destroys the other paintbrushes. But she but the the ending is not possible without him showing up. I would I'd say it kind of is cuz like all he does is like talk to the lady while she's actually doing everything. And physically protect her. He like gets in front of her and be like, "You can't mess with my sister/girlfriend." <laughs> Okay, uh, well, um, I just think we've seen yours before. I think uh, it, I think the actual steps to getting where we need to go, even though they don't explicitly state it, it's kind of like, oh, now they have to do this, now they have to do this, now this. It's just it's a little much. And uh, the beauty, it, it's just a cliche, like the beauty thing. Okay. Um, so, uh, are you guys familiar with the idea of the, the Bechdel test? Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, as far as like, lines uh meaningful lines of a female in a, in a... yeah and it's also like if you know uh it's it's a pretty you know it's a way for people to kind of evaluate it's alison bechtel who's great um a way for people to kind of evaluate like how kind of feminist uh yeah. a text is in some way uh my my episode would pass the bechtel test there are no males who are influencing what's happening yours would fail the Bechtel test so what so in terms of like originality it go, well it goes by it doesn't go just by like there's a male in it and he's influencing the story it goes by like who is driving it and he is not driving it there are there are several uh things it's it's like about how many lines are spoken right. by women that aren't in reference to a man um okay. or a romantic situation you don't think she would have a you don't think even though there's a one guy in my story or i guess the head too but um you don't think she'd struggle with the concept of how they're playing with women here uh no because i think that that there's that there's the that struggle there i mean it doesn't matter what the content is ultimately of course it does for no in this particular like for the for the so-called bechdel test i mean it matters what the content is in relationship to men and women but not like what the actual Uh sort of theme is or whatever it doesn't i'm not saying it's a perfect measure of whether something is good or not mm-hmm. but i think that it does i mean the whole reason that this was created or this that that, that it caught on is that not many things pass it 
Yeah. You know? And so that, like, that's my point is that regardless of what the theme is, it's rare to see a kid's episode um, for a TV show that would pass this, like, sort of test that is only around because people say that, like, it's so rare that anything passes that test. Yeah, I... I agree there are more females in your episode. Uh, I, yeah, right. I, ju- I just think that, like, this... No, I get That it. doesn't work in this case because, like, conceptually, I think there's a problem with how they're using them. Look, I, yeah, I'm not arguing which one is better. I'm saying, I'm pointing out that both are original, depending <laughs> on the perspective that you take. That's all I'm trying to say. If but I can interject here for a moment, yeah. uh, I think they probably both passed that. I mean, it's like a certain, there's like five points or something. Yeah. I'd be surprised if they didn't both. Uh, well, I think that th- what happens with the brother slash boyfriend at the end, first of all, just, just so creepy. Like that is, it's definitely her brother and, uh, and, w- and it's just super creepy, but okay. Anyway, it's, it's not, it's not worth dwelling on. I, I disagree, but, um, the, so you mentioned like the clunkiness uh, of mine, I will concede the point that I don't like that they have to drink the potion, because it seems like the mirror should be enough. Right. If breaking the mirror kills the witch, yeah. Who cares about all this? Other? Drink this, and you can have that. I yeah, I don't think the potion is 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 necessary, but I really do like the dog thing. Um, I like that they turn into this other creature and that it becomes this brutal and it, it's a way to sidestep human violence, which um, are you afraid for of the animal dark? violence? Yes, this is the nineties. Like, <laughs> for okay. a kid show, okay. like it's like Are You Afraid of the Dark tries not to do I, like on screen yeah, even threats of physical violence yeah, it's like yeah. destroying a life or something right. rather than murder right and so i think that that's a good way to sidestep but still remain scary um but as far as like the clunkiness i mean the biggest flaw between the plots in in of both the episodes to me is why in the world is this cabinet that contains this ghostly shrunken head like just in the middle of the hallway that is it's super in a back room it's in a back room it's accessible but it's in a back it's room. super accessible it's not locked it's yeah. opened up two characters open it up yeah but he seems to like the fact that she's spotted him but she does the the what the, the i mean <laughs> none of this would have been yeah. the the plot the the witch's plot or the guy whatever um the hunter's plot would have succeeded if it had been it had been it just took this special girl cody well, the the girl before it almost succeeded. She went in the and opened the the cabinet too. Yeah, and she just got and it's these. That's girl- what makes Cody exceptional. <laughs> it's my my point is that it's an but... easily fixable thing. All they uh-huh. had to do is put a lock on it. <laughs> sure. Like sure. It, it's literally your 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 plan is to live for centuries and centuries and centuries, and you haven't thought yeah. out. Both villains make mistakes here, which they have to for the episode to end. But. But one of them is about, like, a flaw in just the... Co- I think yours is a flaw in the... Co- like, it's just a dumb... It's just a lazy, dumb piece of writing. Whereas the flaw for mine, I think, is just an extra detail. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't change anything. Cody, I just think it's super su- superfluous. Cody's just a little curious, that's all. She goes where she's not supposed to. Oh, I can't wait to get to characters. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, let's get the character... Well, Andrew can ask something. Uh, okay. I mean... I think I've heard enough on this. Yeah, this is a lot uh, of talk about this. I, is, yeah, like 
25 minutes. Got enough for my decision on this category. So okay. I'm good. All okay. right. Let's go. Cool. Forget it. You're done. Uh, characters, you said? Yeah. Okay, you start. Okay, so um, like all truly great Are You Afraid of the Dark episodes, the focus is on a small set of characters. Um, yeah. And I think we both have a small set of characters. I would argue that um, I don't love all of the characters in my episode, but I think they all play a clear role. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're all and their and their appearance in the episode makes sense. They all like do something, and there's no wasted characters. We only have uh, Miss Valenti. We have four characters. We have Miss Valenti, um, who has uh, Jane Heitmeyer, 65 acting credits on IMDb. She's a pro's pro. She's still working. Yeah. She's very. I think she's very good. I think that she's the best actor of these actors. I think that she's both like intriguing and kind of creepy. Um, I think that she is beautiful. Um, I think that she, um, the way she delivers her lines with this, like, weird eye contact, um, I think is really effective. Um, and then we have the three girls, Laurel, Vicky, and Cindy. So Laurel, um, also, um, Laura Bertram is the name of the actor, uh, 43 acting credits. Um, she's in The Lonely Ghost, um, and has been the regular cast member of three different sitcoms, uh, Ready or Not, Andromeda, and One Calls the Heart. So she's, a, she's another a professional actor. I think that she's the best of the kid actors. Um, I actually wish um, th- the episode was more centered on her because she seems like clearly like the most. Um, I don't. Know, I think she's got the most charisma. I I, I like her on screen the most. Vicky, um, who's the annoying kind of like total Bowser. Oh great! I'm sorry. This is a new dress. Here, I'll clean it up. Laurel, let me know next time you bring in one of your duh friends. She's she's written to be annoying. She's supposed to be annoying. Right. She is annoying. Yeah. Uh, I don't like her on screen, but that's like what she's supposed to be. She's supposed to be represent like the super conceited. I mean, even when and that's consistent throughout the episode. Even when uh, they destroy the witch, uh, do you remember what Vicky says? When they destroy the witch, uh-huh. get me out of this cage. No, she's already out of the cage. She uh-huh. says. Oh yeah, yeah, and I love it. It's like this, like she's consistent throughout <laughs> throughout this experience. She has not learned one thing. Right. Um, That's where you need that Beauty and the Beast line. Yeah. 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 She was a witch. I guess you can't tell by looks if you're a beauty or a beast. Um. So I, even though I don't, you know, like that character, I don't think I think we're made to not like this character. I like how consistent the character is, and as as a necessary counterpoint. To our protagonist Cindy, who's never cared about beauty, who's like pressured from the beginning um, by Laurel, by like Laurel's trying to do, they keep trying to make her over, but like what comes, I think, what makes the the sort of theme of this um, episode about how you know beauty is only skin deep, and is that Cindy never cares about being beautiful, and she's also the hero of the of of the story. Her beauty resides within. And uh, Cindy um, uh, was a was a regular in designing women. So even though she's maybe not the best actor in the in the series, all all four of the actors um, are professional actors. Um, I think that they all, and I think more importantly, it's just super clean. Like they each represent one thing, and they're consistent uh, throughout. And there are no characters that don't need to be there. 
Um, okay. Well, uh, I would say that uh, I think Cody is a bit more of a rare Are You Afraid of the Dark character in that she um, she's kind of just like very even keel. Like she's not angsty. She's not really mean to anybody. In fact, she's kind of overly caring about other people surrounding her. Um, and she gives us kind of a different view of a kid on Are You Afraid of the Dark, which is someone who's trying to uh, accomplish something of like more than just like more than just like it's not about like friends or boyfriends or uh trying to be cool or trying to be beautiful brothers um it's about like this kind of niche thing that are you afraid the dark doesn't always do which is uh she's an artist and uh what happens when like you become but like frustrated as an artist and even though she's confident like it's playing on that vulnerability of someone who like can't create and so kind of gets sucked into something oh i wish i had your talent are you an artist sort of right now i'm kind of blocked really yeah it seems the harder i try the further away it gets um so i think like i really don't i don't feel like she's quite as um generic as cindy uh who i feel like we've seen kind of as a character before um so i really like her uh she's actually had a very long uh, uh jewel uh jewel state mm-hmm. uh, who was catalina also on space cases mm-hmm. uh, the rainbow hair girl oh yes um she uh, she's had a very long career she's in many many uh episodes you, of space cases no 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 she's she's had a really good career uh, she's done a lot of shows. Uh, I think the most famous recently was like The Good Wife. But she um, wrote that song. Uh, uh, These hands. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then of course, um, uh, I think his name's Joel Keller. He's actually had a uh, Lucas. He's had a, also a very long career on television. Um, sadly, uh, Mrs. Breyer and the Shrunken Head both passed away. Oh, the uh, head's dead. Yeah, he passed away in 2013. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> Um, but either way, I think everybody, kind of just what you said, I think everybody really plays the role here. There's the hunters inside the gallery, uh, and then there's there's Jewel, who's kind of caring in all manner. She just wants to be better, uh, and I think it's kind of, it's cool, because, like, she's trying to accomplish something, but she never loses her confidence. Like, she's, um, she has, like, kind of, like, nobody has to instill it in her really like she wants to get better right from the start um uh lucas is uh equally supportive so there is no like there is no classic there's no classic like vicky which is a very classic are you afraid of the dark character like vicky is actually more she's more common than she is the ex- like exception um, you mean the an, an antagonist an antagonist yeah that's uh, c- pretty important to the structure of any narrative but I think unfinished painting proves that actually you can oh, do it. You this can, is the exception. No, it proves that you can do it without like some annoying kid being like, finish the painting. You know what I mean? Like you don't necessarily need that. And I like that because the Are You Afraid of the Dark episodes with that kid, especially now, it's so grating to just have that one person who's like always bugging. The total Bowser. The Bowser. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think everybody here is good. I, there's the like kind of, there's Jen. Uh, in the art gallery as well who we know she you know she needs saved um and uh so i think everybody kind of does their thing it's like a limited it's interesting because in scope it's really limited there's not many characters there's like two settings like the park bench and the gallery mm-hmm. um but both are really memorable 
Uh, well, the gallery is really memorable. Anyway, so I think Cody is just, uh, I just thought Cindy was kind of a snooze. And uh, Cody actually gave, like, a unique performance for Eddie Fraser. She's definitely a good actress. I I don't know. I, I don't. Okay, so I agree with some of what you said. Um, I think you left out some, what I think is what is the weak part about characters in your episode though well let's start with the main characters i think that on the page or as an idea i like your main character um what's her name cody cody i find her performance kind of annoying i find her annoying Hmm. um i also think that what about it like she seems like she's overdoing it like she just seems like she's trying too hard to me um i don't think that cindy's great um So I really don't like either of the main huh. protagonists okay. um, as actors. Um, but what I do prefer about my episode is what I said, like how clean it is, that there's no thing, there's no actors that don't matter. The, the, the brother slash boyfriend, the fact that we don't know whether it's her brother or her boyfriend, it's just a character that doesn't need to be there at all. It's definitely her boyfriend. No, but here's, here's how I know when she calls, she's yeah. like, somebody pick up, somebody pick up. Yeah. If she was, Two, two, two points there. Number one, if she, why would the why would you call your boyfriend before you call your family? Maybe there's a reason. But if you're calling your boyfriend, you would say, "I hope he picks up. I hope he picks up." Somebody mm-hmm. makes it seem like any she wants anyone in this house to pick up, which would make much more sense for her family. Okay. Uh, I I truly do think that it's her. Um, but, that it's her brother. But Lucas serves a role. Like no matter what you want to like label what him. Role? The fact that, like, she's, like, kind of quitting on herself a little bit because, like, she can't produce the art she wants to produce. And he's the one saying, like, you are talented. Like, you you need to, like, work through this. But so is Mrs. Breyer. Mrs. Breyer is also saying that to her. Yeah, but she her intentions, of course, are not pure. I just think that there's ambiguity in, in what that character's relation even is to the main character. And that's no. weird. And I don't think that that character is necessary, in my, in my view. Um, I also do think that there is an antagonist in this episode... But I just don't think that, again, she's fully fleshed out or explained, and that's the girl, the blonde girl. She's the one who lures... Uh, that's that's definitely Mrs. Breyer. Wait, the little the little blonde girl is Mrs. Breyer? Yeah. What? I... I you didn't think so? Did but, you think so? Yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> that they're the same person? Like, that, that's... Uh, I thought it was, like, a trick that she was somehow doing, like... Because Part of the whole power thing that was going on in this episode. Because they're never in the same scene at the same time? Uh, well, no. well, at the end, she's outside. I think she almost, like, we but doesn't... She, but she transitions. It's Mrs. Yeah, Breyer, yeah. and then a second later, it's a little girl. Yeah. We're led to believe... We Are don't we? see the transformation, but we're kind of led to believe that she is, like, at least, like, projecting the image of the little girl or something for mm-hmm. them to see. Like, maybe she hasn't transformed literally, but that's how they see her. That's how I took it. Okay, right? yeah. I, I guess as adults, you might be able to have these interpretations. I, I imagine <laughs> that as a kid's show, that that's pretty confusing. I'm an adult. I, I didn't know. realize that. It was cut that. pretty. That one scene, like, really solidifies it. So okay. if you even blink, you could... I'm going to trust that this is a sloppy episode, because I think it is a sloppy episode. And I don't know if... The, there's just so much ambiguity that... I don't think is a good thing. Um, I mean, even with that like line when 
then the first time that um cody goes into the gallery mm-hmm. and cody says like oh i'm following a little girl in here and miss Briar says there is no little girl here in the very next scene we see the girl painting the little girl that's not a little girl jen's a teenager little I mean, girl she, means 12? little girl Wait, they're, well, they're, they're the same people. age. Yeah, they're two different people. I, yes, I know that they're oh, two different uh, people, but they're roughly the same <laughs> age as each other. No, one is like six and the other is 13. You think that blonde girl is six? She seemed you, pretty young. You think that she's more than three years? Wait, I'm not sure what you're... What's he, the... He, he, My point is that the blonde girl yeah. leads uh, Cody into the gallery. Hello? What's your name? Can I draw your picture? Why don't you sit down? Hey! Hey! Your hat! And, uh, and, uh, Cody says, like, I'm looking for the little girl who went in here. And Miss Briar says, there is no little girl here. And then in the next scene, we see the girl painting. Like, we see Uh, Jen painting. They are significantly different in But Miss Briar knew who she was talking about. Yes, but, like, if I'm Cody, I'd be like, what do you mean there's no girl... Like, there's a girl right there. Well, she Oh, cl- but she was the same age as Cody. I mean, not to... But they're, like, three years this. apart, maybe. I don't know. That just didn't make sense. Well, there's two things there, which is Miss Briar doesn't care about lying, and uh, that a little girl is not quite the same as a teenager. Um, in any case, there are just too many characters. Okay. Um, I think. And... Uh, I just hate that uh, Mrs. Briar signs her paintings. Mrs. Briar. <laughs> okay, it's a little touch, but sure. Um, yeah, I would just say, like I said, I, th- I think Cindy is kind of a very typical, like maybe like on the hierarchy of Are You Afraid of the Dark characters, I'm more prone to remember Cody. Well, I was. Uh, the reason I picked this episode is because I literally remembered it and couldn't remember Mystical Mirror. Um, so I think it's just like she's a little bit more memorable as a character. Cody, or Cindy is more of like your typical blah nothingness um i think she gives kind of credence uh, again to the like the cliche of like you know the whole beauty thing of like i know you say she doesn't buy into it but she does kind of just do whatever to get this job uh and i would say that at least cody's purpose is a little more um uh, individual like she's trying to accomplish something uh personal to her where cody's or cindy is just like okay yeah may put makeup on me and i will be uh, so so I get hired. Um, I think it's like, a, it's not like a, the best message. Um, She's the, I mean, Cindy's the classic reluctant hero. I mean, that that is like ex- in the hero narrative. Like we see like what, what is successful is, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and like the things that we love, like Star Wars, you know, uh, is that reluctant hero. Uh, yes. Versus but, like the fully formed. But she's very obnoxious. Quick, she's very quick to sell out. What do you mean? Well, uh, she knows that, like, she's not really wanted, but if she puts on the makeup and looks pretty, she'll get the job. I don't think... She doesn't... I don't think that she... I think that she just wants to fit in. I don't think that she's a, she's selling out. She's just, like, a confused, like, person who's trying to figure out their way in the world just like everyone else. <laughs> okay. Um, but, but I, I mean, I think that... I, I mean, I don't love either protagonist, like I was saying, but what I think sells my episode is Valenti. I think that... She's uh-huh. really charismatic. Uh, I love every scene with her. Mrs. Briar could have been anyone. And once we get to, well, actually, let's talk about the the witch part, sure. which I, I didn't I didn't get into. I, I think it's better for scariness, but maybe it's a good transition. Forget it. You're done. 
so let's move on to scariness. Okay. Um, so I think probably of the two episodes, the thing I most singly remember, like throughout my life, is the head in the closet. Yeah. Um, I think it's concede that it's a kind of a terrifying image. Plus, one once it opens its eyes and says, "Quote." Forever. <laughs> uh, truly unnerving. Um, Why did you start laughing as you were saying that then? What's that? As you were announcing your line, you started laughing. That doesn't sound. Well, scary. I love picturing it. Okay. Horror. Ma- I think we've had this kind of like horror makes me happy. Okay. I love horrific things. I think you've said you're not quite as much of a fan of scary horror type things. That's true. Um, so like it fills me with joy. <laughs> okay. Um. So I love that. Um, I love the blurred visions of the girl screaming in the brushes, like when she touches the brush and it cuts really quickly, like the girl's turning around screaming. Um, I think that's like kind of effective and maybe just as interesting to watch as anything in your episode. I mean, we, <laughs> we <laughs> as anything in my episode uh, about like um like yeah. I mean, your episode has like one really definitive kind of scary thing to me, but uh, I think like does yours not. What's that? Wait, you're saying that yours doesn't? I, th- I think where our episodes are matched uh-huh. is that there's a wrinkled face. Uh-huh. So then what I'm talking about is the subcategories below it, okay. which would be the actual idea of entrapping somebody uh-huh. and them being kind of in terror, right? Like, they're, they're entrapped and they are looking for help. So, like, just that brief moment of touching it, like, they don't stay on it for very long. She touches it and she sees a girl scream. To me, that's kind of, like, the whole idea of it is really unnerving. Um, because immediately now she has to like wrestle with what to do. Um, I also think Mrs. Breyer is kind of like, I feel like you've kind of been downplaying her a little bit. Uh, I think she's been good. Like, I think she hits that perfect balance of someone a kid could trust because she wants to be their teacher, but also clearly has, uh, alternative motives, which the audience can read, but not necessarily the character in the show. Um, so I think Mrs. Breyer is kind of like, she she's more the servant you know what i mean like she she's working for the head uh and so she's not supposed to be like briar where she's the woman like she's the one valenti i mean i'm sorry yeah valenti um she's kind of working side by side with someone valenti uh the act uh, the well if we're talking acting like i think they're both fine um the it's glossing over the, the how good valenti is there Briar's fine. Valenti's great. No, they're both fine. No, Valenti's like, she's hamming it up a little bit. No, like she's... Like kind of soap opera style hamming. No, she's uh, <laughs> she's like Twin Peaks levels. Oh, no. Okay. Not fair to invoke Twin Peaks. Um, okay. The, uh, also, I love the ending. Like, actually, I think one of the most effective shots is, uh, is the ending when they walk back in the gallery and the paintings are scrubbed. Like, wherever the girls were are just mm-hmm. missing now. I think that's like a really cool image that, uh... Is memorable, um, but I would I would say it kind of comes down to those like three things. It's the it's the head, uh, which is pretty scary, and it gets about it is equal time as uh, what you have, uh, and then you got the girls and the brushes and the paintings uh, themselves. So yeah, I think uh, I think neither episode are particularly very scary, but uh, I think uh, they both like kind of play on the same effect. Uh, yeah, I like I like the two moments that you cited, and you, and I agree that um, the 
the head is memorable. Like mm-hmm. I remembered that. Yeah. Um, but I, I mean, I'm kind of with you. Uh, that those are less scary than they are like cool moments. I also I also like the the paintings at the end with their yeah yeah, but the, the neither of those things are cool or, or scary. Um, I think they're just like cool moments. I think that um, I don't think that either of these are super scary, but I think that mine definitely contains the scariest moment, which is this like image of these girls who are now turned into dogs that are in these bone cages, and she's gonna cut out their tongues. I mean that's terrifying. Oh if you're a kid. <laughs> That's terrifying. No, I'm, I'm like in strong disagreement that the dogs are scary. I'm not saying the dogs themselves are scary. They're beautiful. No, no, no. But like the concept is just so like. I let you talk. Uh, (laughs) Unless you're saying something that is demonstrably false. um, I I, I interject, but I I interject very (laughs) rarely. You definitely interject, but okay. Andrew, do you think that uh, this interjection is is, uh, equal right now? Um, I think Joe's typically very aggressive yeah. in his uh, going after this. And I think all that, around. I and mean, I th- as a veteran of listening to these episodes, I think they fall apart when people start stepping on each other's toes and not letting them okay. get there. Um, I mean, I'm not going to say that it's not allowed. Okay. It might right. semi be affecting my decision. You're, in you're ways the judge. That I'm not, all right. You know. I'm just concerned about the listeners. What? Well, <laughs> uh, okay, anyway. Uh, the, so you, I also agree that there's like, um, you know, we've got wrinkled face versus wrinkled face. Um, and I think that the, the, the wrinkled face, uh, in your episode is definitely cool and it's definitely memorable. Um, and I think that you're underplaying the scariness of my wrinkled face as well. I think that that's also something I remember. Do you know who, who they brought in? They brought in the real, the real actor for the old witch. It's Babs Gadbois. Something wrong? Oh, oh no. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You remember her? Little little couple tales called uh, Watcher's Woods. Tale of the Walking Shadow. <laughs> That's Babs Gadbois. So she's a much scarier uh, old witch than I think the hunter, uh, than, than, than Miss uh, Briar. I agree that Miss Briar has to play two roles as being both um, like someone who the the kids trust and like want to like, um, and also uh, uh, someone that the um, is also like scary and like there's the dramatic irony where like the audience knows and the kids don't. I totally agree that she has to do that. I just think it's more effective to split that between two separate faces, like. Uh, Valenti is both as well, but Valenti is like both the beautiful, you know, everlasting 35 year old, um, blonde woman and this terrifying looking old lady. Um, and like, we get to see that visually, which I think registers better for kids. Um, personally, um, I think that, um, yeah, again, like I think the head thing is cool, but it's just a one trick uh, pony to me where there's nothing else scary besides that one moment where the head opens up its eyes. I mean, even, which is weird to me, even, um, Cody, when she first opens the, the closet, um, she initially like, um, gasps at seeing the head, but then right after that she laughs, right? Which I think is, uh, kind of what you did as well. Like it's a funnier thing than it is a scary thing. Um, 
That's that's kind of my argument. Uh, I would say my complaints would be that a mirror arc isn't really spooky. Uh, you know, we've kind of seen it. Um, you know, the things that are leading up to it aren't very spooky. Miss Valenti has a cramp in her hand. Uh, Miss Valenti's looking into a mirror. Uh, Turns into Babs Cabois. Well, not that part. Just uh, early on in the episode. Um, I'd say that uh, the imagery it offers up is either like kind of on par. Like you got either the old scary wrinkled face, um, and you got dogs, which I've clearly stated I I don't think dogs are scary. Um, <laughs> but tongueless dogs. <laughs> I think some of the music cues in this episode undercut the scariness a little bit. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, I just like I wasn't I wasn't scared by either episode, but like to me, if I were to walk away with an image, it would be the head in the closet over anything between the two episodes. And so are you afraid of the dark is really about that lasting impression, like dead man's float, uh, Zebo, like the, the, the night shift, the green vampire, like the things you walk away with. And to me of the two episodes, if we're just talking scariness, uh, I walk away remembering unfinished painting. Yeah. I, I, I agree. That's a memorable image. I just think that the category is scariness and the fact that, the main character laughs at the at that face, and that you laughed and giving. Well, I think the she lines. thinks it's decor at first, like you know, like those one of those like booty shops type decor, you know. Yeah. My my aunt has one of those heads that used to scare me when I was little in her house. Um, so I think like she misunderstands it because it's too almost too radical to be, of course, a real thing. I think the writers knew what they're like. In in my episode, we get the callback early on to Zebo. <laughs> Sure. Did you catch that? I did catch it. Yeah. Um, which I thought was cool, and I think just lets you know that they're they're going for the real scares here, and I think that um, again, I, I agree that it's a totally lasting image that the the head, but the fact that the character laughs at it versus my characters getting their tongues being threatened to be cut out, mm-hmm. um, and we get these images of Valenti in the mirror as wrinkled babs gadbois um what uh was the zebo reference i don't know if I cindy know. mentions that she's gonna like look like a total zebo when oh, they put the oh. makeup on her mm-hmm. um yeah i think it comes down to whether andrew thinks dogs are scary or not no it's not <laughs> Again, what we're comparing i'm, I'm, I'm joking I'm yeah joking. it's it's not the, do- the dogs are beautiful they're beautiful huskies I mean, conceptually. I just think, like, it's C- conceptually... I think conceptually, like, my- Mystical Mirror undercuts its scariness with, like, kind of stupid things like potion and dogs and... Girls in cages. cages. Yeah, the cages, like, it just... It didn't sit for me. There are multiple scary things. Like, uh, if we're talking about entrapment, the entrapment in, like, some object, like a brush, where, like, literally you can see them trapped but not physically present is scarier than a dog in a cage. Um, well transforming into a dog and having your tongue cut out sitting in a bone cage by some a really scary looking witch with a weird wrinkly face to me is pretty scary but you know we'll let andrew decide okay well i've heard enough on that one um, forget it you're done midnight society uh yeah oh wait no execution execution so um the there, there are four things, I think, that, that make the execution of mine better. Um, 
one, I think that the act like the the fewer number of actors and the quality of the actors uh, is better. Um, are there fewer number? Yeah, there are four. There are only four characters. There are only four humans in my whole episode. What about five? Wait, there are five because there's uh, I forgot about Tannis. Yeah. So there's five. Okay. But there's that's it. There's not six. There's not eight. There's five. Okay. Um. I think that the uh, the details are so so one I think the the number of actors and the acting and the fact that they're all female characters I like that in terms of the execution I think in general like the directing um, is just much better as far as um, the the like the pacing of it like making sure that all the little plot pieces function together um, number two I think the details are great um, this is a this is a tale that's steeped in Are You Afraid of the Dark lore. Um, as I mentioned, we got Zebo the Clown uh, callback. We've got Miss Valenti's medicine cabinet containing the potion from the Dark Dragon. That's the potion they take. It's the same potion as the Dark Dragon. Oh. I saw that trivia. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and also featuring the cages from Watcher's Woods. So this is like fully in the Are You Afraid of the Dark universe, which I like. So, and I like the little de- details throughout that's hinting that something is going on with Valenti without directly stating it. I thought that there was good directing that it's not, it, it, again, show rather than tell. Um, her obsession with mirrors, the mirrors she gives to her beauties, her weird obsession with the teenage employees themselves, her utter inability to discuss anything other, th- other than beauty. Like, these are the things that lead us to, like, through the plot rather than, um, you know, uh, seeing, like, a weird head in, in a cabinet that's weirdly accessible. Um, for all, for the only two other characters we see, they both end up in the cabinet. Uh, third thing, um, I like that there's no male uh, char- uh, figures in this episode, that um, no male comes to save the day. Um, uh, and uh, the fourth thing, um, just as a testament to how memorable this episode is, there's a, um, a performance group called the Modern Boat Sexuals. I don't know if you guys are, have seen this. But uh, they uh, did a three-part rock opera about the episode that you can find on YouTube. Wow. That's interesting. Very good. Just It sticks in people's heads is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I really did not remember uh, your episode very much. But uh, the art concept, again, I, I just think like conceptually now, if we're talking concepts, it's beauty versus art. Uh, and we've seen beauty a million times, but I think the I, the strength of unfinished painting is uh, Are You Afraid of the Dark? Not really playing with this idea before, so this being kind of the first true time where we've seen uh, the concept of like beauty and being cool and want it being accepted. Um, I, I think uh, the idea that like um, vulnerability here really plays a part in my episode. Um, I love, like I mentioned, I love the use of actually going inside the painting so it's like a cool device of like going to the ball like with the ballerinas or going into the park with the bridge um and then getting like super disoriented um so there's like actual like um it plays on the concept in like i think a little bit of a less direct way than yours it's like um I would, I, would, I would say your episode's a little, like, one note as far as, like, what it's trying to do. Like, this one thing uh, where, like, you get to go into different universes in mine and see, like, the actual myth, uh, which is cool. But, what is, but we don't even know what the myth is. Well, we no, but we know what the basic premise of the myth. But to me, like, 
I, I would agree with that. I think that, like, but execution to me is, like, how well do you do the whole thing? Like, I think that there are very cool visual moments in your episode. I totally agree with that. Mm. But I think that the execution is is missing is, like, well, what even is this myth? Like, what are, what are we even talking here? How did we end up here? What does it have to do with painting? Well, we know the power comes from the brushes, so, like... Yeah, but, uh, what, but what is the connection between the the head guy yeah. and this hunting and the brushes? I don't know, but it, I, I think it's, like, a lot more interesting to think about than Amir. Like, I, I just think we... It's never... I've never encountered a horror story, and I'm not... Again, I don't think either of these episodes are particularly good, but I would at least... I would prefer, like, if we're comparing concept here, I prefer the concept of my episode where it's something that, like, makes me go, huh, what's happening here versus your episode where it's like, I've seen it. But I I can understand that. But to me, like, execution is about, like, how well does this story come together? And to me, what well, they, I'm left with... They both end in the exact same spot, which is there's yes. one object that needs to be destroyed, the characters destroy it, everybody's saved... But I, end. but I feel like at the end of my episode, I feel like I'm, like I wasn't hit over the head with exactly why what's happening is happening. Mm. But I have like a pretty good understanding of it. Whereas yours, I have no idea what the paintings have to do with this ancient myth of this of this like old mm-hmm. decapitated person. Like I, have, there's no you, connection that's even implicitly suggested. But I can't truly believe, like knowing you as a person, that you prefer like the cliched cinderella story versus an actual like original thing where you're trying to figure it out uh no i i mean i I truly believe that i that the execution i think of all the categories i think that the easiest for me to argue is the execution because i think that the a meditation on mirrors you know like i love that it's just one object it's not hitting you over the head with like what their what the meaning is versus i just think that like I think I think what it comes down to is the po- the 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 possibility for your episode to be a great episode was there, mm-hmm. and it didn't reach it. And I think my episode got the max out of what it was. Yeah, um, but I'm not even sure we're talking whether the episodes are great. We're talking about like execution of the concept. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like I think that you you had a, I think you had the advantage of maybe a better premise, uh-huh. but the execution wasn't there because like there were just so many holes. Whereas for me, like, I like the idea of the mirror thing, mm-hmm. but I, but I do like, I think that you are right that there's like something original about your story. Right. I just think that it wasn't executed. Well, I think that while mine was a lot tighter in its execution, it used mirrors throughout. It like didn't have huge plot holes. It had one super superfluous detail. I think, I think that the potion is weird, but even that is kind of cool that it's the actual potion from Dark Dragon. Which is again about which an is, episode about which vanity, is a, which is an an advantage we have now with like going online and seeing trivia. But like if you watched it in the '90s, you wouldn't know. But that makes that. but it makes sense. I mean, that's another episode that's centered on vanity and the problems of vanity. I, I'm saying like the fact that you like we can even know that is based on like we can go to wiki. Yeah, but it's also like I think representative of tight execution of like they really thought all the little details out here. Sure. So like to me to me the whole argument is like it's it's pretty much do you prefer like tight execution or original execution? So like mine is I think original. Original in like the scope of like things. Like yours is a Twilight Zone episode, yours is Cinderella, yours has been done. So like it's like do you want to see a rehashing of that through Are You Afraid of the Dark with some like what I would think is like pretty bad writing and actors or 
would you rather see them try to attempt something original, even if it doesn't totally cohere? Um, yeah, but the category is execution. Like, right. Like that uh, execution is about no, no, no coherence. But like what we what I said was what I what I interpreted the category as was use of concept, not not like how tight is the episode. That's story. This is about the concept, how they used it. Well, that would be a category called concept. Execution is how well do you do with what you have. Yeah, but before we started recording, I said I thought of it as like how they use the things we just talked about, like yeah, all how the they like, all the tricks. Yeah, and I think that what well, I think, I think we're seeing the category differently. No, I think we're seeing it the same way. I think that I agree that yours is maybe a more original story, but the execution is sloppy, is what I'm yep. arguing. Yeah, the ex- the word the execution is not what I'm thinking. Like I'm thinking of like the the idea of entrapping someone. Like that's what our episodes have in common. This this figure who's entrapping people to live forever, and I think yours they are exactly the same in that manner, except yours has been done and mine was different. Uh, but the reason mine's been done is that it's like a classic thing that makes sense and works, and like it has to do with these like timeless. I mean, I'm, the, just the image of the mirror or the theme of a mirror. Like there's so many stories about that. I agree, and I agree that at the end of the day, it's it's kind of about like retelling like uh like something that's kind of familiar to people versus something that's newer i just think that for me the the newer thing doesn't fully come together like there's just too many loose ends for me to feel like it succeeded okay i'm gonna keep going uh the idea that like what i mentioned earlier if we're talking like tightness which is not what i was thinking i was thinking concept I think yours is a little overloaded. Like, hire someone at a beauty shop. Make them look beautiful. Invite them to your house. Once they invite them to their house, have them stare into a mirror. Once they stare into the mirror, give them a potion. Once they get the potion, turn them into a dog. Chase them into the woods. Put them in a cage. Recite some poem. uh, Then go to cut out their tongue. And then, like, repeat. I just think, like, it's not actually as clean as what you're making it out to be. It's actually super convoluted i just think that um the that like those steps all make sense in order um none of them are uh you know don't make sense um you said the potion didn't make sense well the potion i think is superfluous i think it makes sense i just don't think it's necessary but i do like it as a touch as a callback um i just think that they may be got a little too into trying to make this the perfect episode um and it was maybe not totally necessary but um i just come back to like what what i think is missing from yours is just like some sense of like what the heck is even going on um and like maybe that ambiguity registers to your average 11 year old in in 1995 but my guess is that i don't think that was intentional i think it was just like Mm. um the guy who made this episode made some of the best he did. Yeah. Yeah, and he's a and he's a good director. Yeah. Um we we both have good directors on, on our episodes. Huh. <laughs> I just think that like and again, like there's a there there are things to like about your episode. I think that there is an originality to it, but I just think that they just left they just cut too many corners by like I think they just had too much for an episode. Like maybe if this was an hour long episode where they can explore this. Oh, I think it was more minimal than yours, honestly. It was minimal because they just skipped the entire premise of like what this is even about. No, it's it's not a hard premise. Person paints painting. But but what the underlying myth is. Yeah, but we don't get your myth either. 
yeah, it's a myth of 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 a of a, a of a woman who uh, is so vain, is so obsessed with her own vanity. It's just a retelling of a narcissist, right? Yeah. And someone who's so so upset, which has been successfully done and redone because it touches on these universal themes. But if that's the theme, then it's just as easy to read in that Mrs. Briar wants to live forever. That's the myth. Like that, I, I think you're like you're harping on my myth a lot, but they're the same. People who want to live forever. But, like, what does that dude have to do with it? What? What does the head have to do with anything? What does the potion? There's, like, holes in both here. Alright, I, I don't know. Let's, let's move on. What do you think is the best part, like, the best executed piece of each other's episodes? Well, the thing I like most about his episode is how it opens. Um, but, not the Midnight Society, um, the girl running through the woods. But the best execution of something is probably, like, just the turning of the mirror towards the painting. Or, yeah. You know what I mean? Just the use yeah. of the mirror to reveal the secret. Yeah. That's probably the best executed thing. And I agree with that. And uh, I think the best executed part of your episode is, and it's something you mentioned liking, is the when we get inside the paintings. Mm-hmm. And, like, the sort of dream-like quality of that. Um, I think that that is visually cool. Mm-hmm. Forget it. You're done. You want to start out Midnight Society? think this is yours to start up this is my preference for a midnight society opening which is very clean and related to the episode um you've one have a rare vulnerable tucker uh tucker is not ready to tell his story which is also kind of a unique concept of like someone coming on a night where they can't uh tell the story and as someone who's working on a writing episode uh boy do i relate to tucker not being ready to tell the tale <laughs> Gary, over here. What's the matter? I still haven't come up with a story. I'm empty, blank, drained. Hollow, shallow, brainless. This is serious. I've been thinking all week. Nothing is coming. You're just blocked. Stop trying so hard. Something will inspire you. In two minutes? No. By next week. I knew you were having trouble. Having fun, guys? Uh, No. I mean, yeah. But we also get Gary having a chance to be the cool older brother, uh, who, like, kind of gets to, like, for once, uh, like, needle Tucker and also save Tucker. Um, So it's super clean, related in the fact that, like, Tucker has writer's block. Of course, our episode is about kind of an artistic block, not being able to really express what you want to do. Um, And so I think it's super cohesive. Like, there's no baggage on the segment uh it's exactly related to the episode it's done in a way that makes sense uh and it puts tucker in a position that we don't normally get to see tucker who's generally very annoying annoying uh he gets to kind of like eat crow a little bit um and so it's like from the first segment to the last segment there's no like what is happening type thing it's like okay got it very clean makes sense with the story you never know when inspiration is going to come You can't touch it, you can't see it, you can't buy it. It's something mystical that opens you up to new possibilities. But what if you could control someone's inspiration? It would be like touching their mind. Think of how fun it could be. And think of how dangerous it could be. If used for evil. The... The what is happening thing, I, I I kind of personally like a little bit of more than just like, oh, this is literally what the story is going to be about. I like that mm. 
Um, my episode has a little bit more than that with, even though I don't like Stig, the character. Mm -hmm. Um, but the fact that Stig is like, you know, annoying everyone. Uh, I like that he pisses Gary off. Uh, that's always, uh, nice to see. What are you doing? What does it look like? This isn't a picnic. Lighten up, chief. Have some mustard. Look what you did! Get this stuff out of here right now. Killjoy. But, I mean, my episode is the same opening that yours does where we have something that's the theme of the episode. And this is pretty much how the, all of them work. But Betty Ann shows up and, you know, she's, like, debating whether to put on this makeup or not. Which I think really... You're, you're rolling your eyes as if, like, your episode is not doing the exact same thing. Of, uh, but, like, hers is, like, she has some family photo. And yeah. so she's brought her bag of makeup at, like, midnight. Yeah, because it's a prop for her, that inspired the telling of her tale. Like, okay. it makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like, she she's not literally putting on the makeup right now, but she's like showing like how she got to this, um, to this the, to to the inspiration for her tale, and I think um, actually adds something to the tale because I think that um, as you referenced before, you feel like you worried that one of the um, flaws of my episode was that it's like just retelling this um, stereotype that all girls care about as beauty. Mm -hmm. But I think that she's setting up the tale right there to, to, to let you know. We know Betty Ann is not a superficial I woman. know that. I know that. Um, and I think that, you know, that the the assurance that we, that we have that it's Betty Ann telling the tale mm -hmm. is actually important to how we read the episode. What do you got? Makeup. Oh, what for? Family portrait. My mother wants me to get made up. So, what's the big deal? I just don't like the idea of changing your looks to fit somebody else's idea of what beauty is. It's just a little makeup. I know. And it's fine for some people. But I think we all sometimes place too much importance on looks. I'll chow to that. Is she too much of a giveaway, then? No, I think that... that like, oh, this story's gonna be about beauty, doesn't matter. No, I don't think that she's too much of a giveaway. I think that she helps again showing not telling she kind of guides the 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 viewer especially a kid viewer into like having a framework going into the episode like oh this is betty ann betty ann's cool she's not just another you know girl who all she cares about is her looks um and that's what the episode ends up reinforcing but i do think that most of the characters in the episode do care about beauty mm -hmm. so i think i really actually I don't like love either segment, but I think that mine does more for the story itself, which I think is useful. Uh, well, I just think yours is super disjointed. Uh, the Stig Tucker with food thing is never really uh, like we don't actually know what's going on. Gary gets upset and then like it's a hard cut to Betty Ann telling her story about having a family photo. It feels pretty messy uh, and not very funny. Like, Tucker, like, they're going for humor, clearly, to start it, and Tucker and Stig just generally aren't funny. Uh, and then it's kind of like, okay, now get serious. Um, I think uh, Betty Ann, the whole idea of, like, a family portrait, uh, my mom wants me to wear makeup, is eh, a little of a little bit of a reach, but uh, it also sounds like Betty Ann has a pretty terrible mother. Um, yeah, why would that be a reach? I don't understand. Well, like, bringing your bag, just don't love the prop. Uh looks can her her so the two episodes kind of have like their midnight society intro 
statement. Mm -hmm. In yours, it's looks can be deceiving, which is uh, Yonsville. Some people spend a whole lot of time worrying about their looks, but looks can be deceiving. And sometimes, mirrors lie. Uh, and mine is uh, using others for e uh, using others' inspiration for evil, which is okay. Uh, let me find out are, some more. Those are also they're both cliches. No way. Uh, I mean, beauty versus like beauty versus inspiration. I I think like I'd rather hear one over the other, just based on like the actual like intro of the story, the way it was like written. Okay. Uh, I like I I, I do like uh, Gary's intro just a little more. Um, plus, uh, we've seen them do food at the campfire before. So like, even if you like the fact that it's wacky, we've talked about on the podcast, like they bring punch and, uh, they've talked about hot dogs. And so the, uh, the actual fact that like we, on my segment, we get the fact that, uh, someone doesn't have a story ready. That is like pretty original to the midnight society versus like, ah, wackiness of food. They've done that before, especially by season five. They've They've done it a couple times. So I think they've done everything by this point. So I I, I don't think that, um, like, originality is all that important. To me, if I'm watching Are You Afraid of the Dark, I want that opening segment to both remind me, or well, to, to kind of give an intro to the episode, but also to remind me that these are kids who are having fun. Like, to, mm. like to actually feel like these are real people who are telling stories and hanging out with each other and who are friends. What's realer than family? Uh, yeah, both of our episodes are, have have that. Yeah, they both have that. Mine's about uh, well, but like two Midnight Society members helping each other. Yeah, it doesn't seem very realistic because they're both terrible. Like they seem like both terrible people. Well, that's an opinion. It is an opinion, just like your opinions about what what you'd rather see in terms of a in terms of a theme. Like, well, no, I'm saying I've seen it already. But my so like I like I I find it to be a strength of my episode that it both sets up the theme. Mm-hmm. Um, and also has some sort of like fun that reminds you that these are just these kids that are having fun. Um, but really, um, as soon as I saw your episode, I felt good about this segment because Gary, uh, well, we know you don't like Gary. No, no, but I would, I would put this as like exhibit a in, uh, why Gary is not only like a, a bad character, but a bad actor. The way that he tells his intro mm -hmm. is like, I, I I can we I hope we can play a clip of it because his affect is so over the top. <laughs> he sounds like like a like a a magician on a that's his whole thing on a on a uh, like an infomercial. He loves like, magic. Cody's artistic block soon vanished because she was able to draw inspiration from all the spirits she freed from their living nightmares. The end. Nice job. Really Thank you. Yes, but his story isn't about a magician or magic. Um, and the way that he, he it's so over the top, the way he narrates that first part, that it's so distracting to me that like I had to rewind it and watch it like six times just because I couldn't believe that they didn't make him redo it. Okay. One little side note. I do like the fact that we're off in the woods when my episode starts. Like the, we're not actually around the campfire. Tucker stops Gary before they get there. It's kind of cool. Like, we never get to see them talk away from the campfire. I mean, they're, like, literally two feet outside of the campfire. But it seems campfire. secluded. It seems... It's a unique thing. It is somewhat unique. Would you deny me pointing out something unique? No, no, I'm not okay. denying you. I'm just denying it, calling it in the woods. Like, they're, like, on the precipice of Yeah, it's the, probably a 20-foot set. Yeah. Uh, but, um... 
and and I and I do like that. Uh, but the 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 dialogue, the the interaction that then they they then have with I forget who comes up to them. Is it Betty Ann who comes up to them? Like while they're talking, so they're talking. Oh, like, like to get going. Yeah, yeah. Is so weird. Like it's so awkward. Like we're talk- They're like, are you guys having fun? Which is a weird question to ask. Uh huh. Like they're talking over there. Why would you say, "Are you having fun?" And then well, Tucker's, you stated, you know, you want to see him having fun. Yeah, but they're not having fun. They're like <laughs> they frantically they arguing been. about they something. Been. They're they clearly been. frantically arguing about. Oh, something. they weren't arguing. No. Well, they were like he was relieving Tucker. Tucker was like freaking out, and then yeah. Gary is like. I it's mean, a, even it's a beautiful moment. Even in Gary's attempt to be a good big brother, it's just about him. It's not because he's trying to help out his brother. It's because he wanted to tell the tale anyway. You know what I mean? Uh, no, he had inspiration from his writer's block. But but he but but the the way it's set up, it's two things. Like it's got to be one or the other. To me, it would make more sense if it was Gary being like, "Hey, I know it's your week, but I got it's inspiration for a great tale. Can I tell my tale?" Or Gary stepping up and being like, "Oh, I'm I know that you don't have a tale, so I'll come up with something." But instead, it's this weird mixture of both where Gary his own ego is like, I got to tell this story. And he's framing it as like, I'm helping you out. This sounds like a heavy Gary bias argument. No, I'm just saying it's, <laughs> it's two things that are, that are uh, sloppily brought together. Yeah, I'm not sure. I think it's a brother helping a brother. He's not helping him. He wanted to do it. He was going to ask him even if Tucker. No, 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 no. If Tucker had a story, he would have told it. I, I don't think that that's right. I think oh. you should watch this again. <laughs> I watched it multiple times. All right. But we don't need to belabor this. Any questions about this? Oh, it's been... No. This has been belabored. No questions <laughs> about the... To me, in my mind, should be the shortest uh, <laughs> argument, but... I declare this meeting of the Midnight Society closed. Okay. Uh, very good. I mean, that was a intense back and forth and made it very difficult for me. Um... Good. More difficult than I even I thought it was going to be. Um, I don't know if that's good or bad. That's so, good for you. I'm just going to jump right in here. Um, <laughs> I'm going to start with story. Uh, I think um, the things that I like about Joe's is the originality of it, especially. Sure. Um, I like that it's. I like what it's about. That it's about this girl that's looking for inspiration um, and her trying to overcome her obstacles. All good stuff. Um, I like to an extent um, that you don't fully know the story. Um, I mean, I like some mystery in there, um, and uh, I thought the paint, the whole painting concept was. Um, well, you, well done, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, on Chris's, uh, I do give you some points for Betty Ann, as she's a, <laughs> she is a great storyteller. Um, but, more importantly, uh, Joey's favorite storyteller. But that'd be a Midnight Society <laughs> thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But more importantly, um, the uh, I think the strongest argument for this was the showing rather than the telling in this episode. And I thought they did that really well. Like, I, there was really no explanation, but I knew exactly what was going on. Um, I liked the use of the mirrors, uh, and, like, the themes of this episode were pretty clear, pretty strong. Uh, I also liked <laughs> that there was uh, no male 
character at all and that I didn't even notice. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. That was a good point. I should have said that. Yeah. (laughs) Very important. Um, What I didn't like about Joe's is the, like, the amount of unclear, of unclear elements in the story, like how it played out. Um, Like, some of it, a little bit is good, but it was like, when you add it all together, it doesn't quite fully make sense in my head, I guess. Um, and uh, and I'm this is all based on your arguments. I mean, yeah. I'm taking notes. That's what I. That's okay. what I like yeah. about your judging. Um, I uh, somebody would notice probably in both of these stories. I think that's going <laughs> yeah. on. That's probably uh, true. So, Hopefully, you know, whatever. Um, the uh, and the other part w- about uh, the painting one was um, that. The part about her being eternal, I guess, wasn't real clear to me. Like it, it was kind of glossed over, and I get it. It wasn't like maybe it didn't need to be explained, but mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't fully grasp it actually until I was listening to you guys talk, and then I realized like, oh, maybe I just missed it. But I only, I only thought that because like it seemed like she was offering him up. You know what I mean with the paintbrush? Oh, oh yeah, I definitely think that that's okay. yeah. Because she she even says I've been doing this for. Yeah, because at the end when uh, I've been doing this for hundreds of years, and I'll you're do it not going to stop more. me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and it's so and easy to stop both of them. Sorry, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. Good. And there's just a lot going on yeah. in yours that I think like it's. I like that. I like a lot to think about, but I just don't think it quite all pulled together. Um, what I don't like about the uh, mystical mirror is mostly the cliched aspect of sure. it like we've seen it it's been done um but i thought it was done really well so i, I gave the story to chris the right. uh, mystical mirror i would agree good argument uh it was tough but um so i'm gonna move on to the midnight society because i think it was <laughs> probably the next most clear cut one um man uh i really like the tucker gary uh interaction here and it is like opposite of i mean it is unusual, I guess. And it's like something. It's like some substance to it, I guess. Whereas I thought yours was just a little nothing. Like, it felt like the least they could have done, kind of. I agree. I, I honestly was worried about this one until I saw Gary's, like... <laughs> I mean, I know I have an anti-Gary bias, <laughs> but did that not stick out to you guys as, like, weird, the way that he was narrating the beginning of it? Um... What, it didn't what stick mean? out to you? What like, like uh, I think we should... Oh, like his the dramatic tone. Yeah. But that is Gary. He's dramatic. But it's distracting. Uh, it's dumb. Some people hate it. it. Did, I, just, I guess I didn't even notice it. I just... Okay. Right. When I think back about them, though, especially, like, I just... The only thing I can think of um, on yours is the bag of makeup. Yeah, like that's the only that's true. thing that stuck with me at all. What about the I hot dogs on the, the many hot dogs at the end? And that's it, what I think about that weird yeah. hot dog contraption. Yeah, oh, at the end, I, which really has nothing. What to I do thought with was anything. weird about it was that it was completely unrelated. Like eating now was not related to this story at all. It just seemed like shoehorned in, kind of. Yeah, yeah I agree. Um, so I gave this one to Joe. Yeah, um, makes sense. That it was pretty cut and dry. Um, I'm going to move on to execution. Um, 
I think uh, what I liked about the um, unfinished painting was like the complexity of the concept, um, even as maybe it could have been pulled together better. Um, I, I, I still like that. Um, I can't kind of give that up. Um, and it was, and they didn't do a terrible job of laying it out. Um, I just, uh, I don't know. I don't want to discount that because I do like that. Um, the, uh, and the way, the way that the episode was made, the paintings, as you mentioned, was really, were used really well. Um, and I think they looked really well. Uh, it was just put together well in that way. Um, and the visuals, of course, are really strong in that episode. Um, for uh, Mystical Mirror, um, I think uh, the pacing of it was really good. Um, I loved the, that you pointed out those callbacks to the other episodes because I didn't even notice them. The bad parts. Um, That's it? Thanks. <laughs> well, uh, I think the clunky storytelling kind of in um, Mr. Er, in uh, Unfinished Painting, just the way it was... Like, I was thinking of it almost as if I was going to be um, summarizing it and thinking, like, how would I lay this out? And it just... I just felt like it was... It was just a little off, something about it, like the way that it was uh, created. I don't know, the way it played out. Um, there were points where I was, like, at the end, I was wondering what exactly was going on. Like, I was getting confused with, like, being in the painting, but also being in the paintbrush. Mm -hmm. I just, like, there was a, just a lot of elements that I thought got a little bit confused there. Um and what I didn't like about the other one is um, Joe said that it was overloaded, but I felt like that's the opposite kind of for this episode. Like, it felt like it was really... Um, elegant? I don't want to say... So <laughs> elegant would be, like, a really good way of putting it. Um, <laughs> I agree. But it was, like, it was put together so it didn't feel like uh, like I wasn't being jerked around i guess in the other episode it was like there was more back and forth um in this one it just like flowed better i felt like um totally good execution but uh and of course the um mirror was done well like the effects were done well um what i didn't like was the end um the whole just the way that they played out the entire ending was kind of off to me um the whole convoluted dog thing and um so i mean it was okay it just felt like suddenly shoved in there like it didn't quite fit with the rest of the the set of the episode um but ultimately i gave it to chris um i just thought it was a really tightly put together episode i mean Say whatever you will about it. Uh, uh, the scariness. Let's move on. Mm -hmm. um, in Joe's episode, of course, the head in the closet, probably the single scariest like element, I think, of either episode. Um, the paintbrushes were cool. Even though it was like not scary exactly, I thought it was creepy. Uh, and Mrs. Briar is 
creepy. I mean, she reminds me of other characters in her, like, in horror movies and stuff, like, in the same kind of role. So it could be kind of typical, but, uh, but I thought she was effective. Um, and Chris's, uh, the, the old lady who you, uh, Valentia. Babs Gadbois. Babs Gadbois. Well, I mean, her whole, both like her young self and her really old self. Um, I thought that her younger version though was maybe the best actor in either of these episodes. Yeah, I agree with that. Even, I feel like she did more with her role than it offered, kind Mm -hmm. of. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Um, The uh, dogs in the cages, you said, was a good thing. I, I like the... The cutting out of the tongues was scary, but uh, the dogs really not effective for me. I mean, just uh, I don't know. It just seemed it's just not scary. Yeah, hey, you hate dogs. Right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, the uh, and Joe's is very memorable. Um, yours, I like. There is scary imagery in yours. The old lady probably the scariest part, but I think it's like even more like the creepiness in yours rather than the like visceral scary so anyway i gave that to joe um so it really came down to the main characters for me and this was tough really hard um i man in joe's i like i really like her character i probably personally uh relate to her more um liked that uh i think that girl that plays her she's been in a lot of stuff you talked about um and she is really good uh probably the next best actor after the other lady um i agree with that the hunter is really cool the hunter head of course uh just like it barely does anything but it doesn't even really need to just the fact that it, like woke up was yeah. kind of a surprise the, the opening first time the like yeah. yeah um I didn't. Why uh, it wakes up? Who knows? Yeah, yeah. the effect was cool though. Yeah, didn't talk yeah, about that, really but like cool. I was trying to figure out because usually it would be like behind something. You know? Yeah, look cool. It did look cool. I just don't understand why it happened. Why he woke up? Yeah, wasn't she taking the brushes? Yeah, but it that would wake him up. All right, all right. <laughs> I'm, I'm, this is more chit chat. <laughs> this is more chit chat. <laughs> um. Okay. Well, in Chris's, um, I thought the characters were really well utilized. Um, they, like, you kind of, Joe maybe said that they weren't as good of actors, but I didn't really feel that, I mean, I didn't feel that they were any worse, I guess, than the other episode on the whole. Um, they, uh, uh, I just thought that in Chris's episode, like, the strongest argument that he made for the characters was that, uh, they were all really well like there was not a character wasted there were so few of them but uh they didn't have like any extraneous stuff going on i guess whereas i felt like um the problem with the main problem with the um painting episode was one the brother like i thought he was definitely the brother i don't know i just never got it's a a real problem it's a little (laughs) weird um but I did think he was the brother. But also, like, Jen, I thought, um, was just kind of a prop. 
Um, Definitely. I mean, that was she was like role. in between, yeah, yeah. but it felt like in between. Like there, we had a little bit of a glimpse of her. Where like, I think, I think do we, we care about her or do we not? Care I don't about think. Her? I don't think the episode does a good job of making us care about her. But like, she's needed as an example. Yeah. No. I. Yeah. I mean, I think just like the Tannis. Yeah. She's the Tannis yeah. figure. I kind of like that. Like we Wish don't we know got anything more about Tannis. Oh, I like that. <laughs> we, we didn't know anything about Tannis. No, I want to see how it like plays out. Oh yeah. Kinda. For for her. Yeah. Oh, wait, I guess she's one of the three dogs. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. What I couldn't get behind with what you guys were both saying was not liking um, Cindy in Chris's episode. (laughs) Like, I thought she was, like, the most realistic of any of the kids in either of these episodes. Like, she just felt like... You I said, were kind of putting her down. Like, no. Laurel would have been your main character. Well, just because out of the actors, I think, like, the character... Uh, I said she's the reluctant hero, and I think that she's like just the nerdy kind of cool kid. Um, okay. Well, uh, also v- Vicky being um, kind of a typical jerk, but I do like that. I mean, there's a place for the character, and she did it well. I mean, yeah. she didn't feel like really generic to me. She's not lonely ghost cousin level. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, man. <sighs> Ultimately, the big thing for me was um, how well the characters were used in the episode, and I finally gave it to Chris. Yeah. I think that's a very call. Yeah. You did great. I mean, I'm really... (laughs) You did. You really did. I'm really surprised at this outcome, too. I mean, if I had to have guessed going in, I would have guessed I would go with the other episode, but... I just think, like, picking it apart, suddenly I'm seeing all the strengths of your episode, Chris, um, that I just kind of glossed over before. Yeah. I think uh, I think I, it was going to fall apart once I realized I didn't know who the boy was. Yep. <laughs> oh, yeah. Which was about 15 minutes into oh, the episode. My, my heart <laughs> jumped. Because I, I was, I, I mean, that was the most distracting thing for me. About that episode, but I concluded yeah. that it's got to be the brother. And if you went brother, then I wouldn't have. I, I would have been like, yeah, I think it's a brother, but it's weird. But the fact that you went boyfriend, I was like, yeah, it was definitely. A w- I I had asked someone, and they said, oh yeah, definitely boyfriend. Hmm. So that's yeah. But that's there is it's a, a gr- it's a great observation, yeah. especially the phone call. Like you're right, she would have said, Ple- what? How'd she phrase it? She said, some. I hope some, someone yeah, picks yeah, up. Yeah. Um. He also like was just a used a little weird it's yeah. like not just even how he's acting with her but like the way that he was a part of her life was kind of confusing even in her dream like, world what? Yeah. yeah yeah also like i get why she had to call him like she's in trouble but then like once he shows up he doesn't have any effect you know what i mean like yeah. he doesn't he doesn't really help no he doesn't i mean i think that yeah it's the worst of both worlds like We've got this male figure intervening. Yeah. Like, in this way that, like, kind of disrupts this, like, all-female thing. Yeah. And he actually doesn't do anything. Right. He's useless. Which could be a great, uh, a great commentary. But I think that he would have to be more overtly useless in order for that <laughs> like to Like, dumb. Yeah. 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 Uh, would you give ratings, like, uh, out of five Crip stars, uh, what you, uh, what you truly felt? I would give both of them three and a half. Okay. Okay. I, I, I gave both two and a half. Oh. Yeah. I think they're like I think they're both watchable in exactly the same way. I watched my episode first and went, oof, I thought that was bad. 
but I remembered it. Then I watched your episode and went, okay, I thought that was pretty bad too. But they're both like watchable. I I didn't have a terrible time. I just thought they were like passable. Hmm. I I found myself having to rewind your episode more to like fully understand what was going on. Uh-huh. And that I felt like maybe I should have mentioned that in my argument. But like, um, like there were points that like I just like felt like I missed something. Um, but I do. But it it did have the most memorable image which is the, the yeah. head waking up yeah and i do and like those, those i love the going into the painting things i think that's really cool yeah that was very cool both I, oh, good. I didn't love so much when she was in the painting like how that looked they didn't do oh you didn't like the uh like effect um I, this, just the entire look of it i felt like was a little see cheaper. I, I like the look i wish they would have done something like scarier in the painting yeah, yeah, like yeah. it's like she's in there if you're gonna like spend the time to put the effect on it have something kind of yeah. creepy happen yeah for sure also i suddenly noticed on this watching like how did she get that her paintbrush in the painting and did everybody else have that i, I rewound that like six times to try and figure out what was happening <laughs> no there. not everybody else had it i think what caused it was that she was setting the picture on fire and so like it was the universe she was in was coming apart, hmm. which allowed her to like somewhat capture reality for yeah. a moment, which was the brush. Like that's why she's there. But also, um, if you notice, um, when the the first girl, what's the first girl's name? Jen. Jen. When she signs her name and she's like dying, uh, uh, she takes the brush out of her hand. Right. So like you can't have the brush. Definitely. The brush not. still has the power. Because it goes on the altar. Yeah. So it has to go know, back the to the altar. Yeah. Um, and like Valenti, or no, not Valenti, what's her name? Miss Briar. Briar. Overlooking that detail is yeah. what allowed her to be able to get out of it. Hmm. Yeah. One other thing I would have liked to see in this episode was um, at the end when the paintbrushes are burning and Jen walks out. I would have liked to see like a whole group of yeah, kids walking out. Yeah, I was out, expecting you know? that. I know, just <laughs> just one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Especially because exactly. we've seen at least one other girl yeah. who was trapped. Oh, there's like, at least there's tons, yeah. right? Yeah. There's tons of paintings. Oh yeah, and like all the brushes. You can yeah. just assume every painting is a kid. Yeah. yeah. Um. So I yeah same thing. Weird. Uh, the I, I thought the endings of both were bad. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I felt like for as creative as both were trying to be, like just the simple act of breaking something would kill this ancient spirit seems. Yeah. Uh, rush. But like I said, having to try to write an Are You Afraid of the Dark episode, these things are like crazy hard to end. Oh, yeah. Um, so. Just one final thing. Uh, I also kind of was surprised that neither of you brought up the the fire. Like, and apparently her and the head, like, disappearing, I guess. I don't But know. also being equal. Well, like, yeah. If he yeah, dies. That's weird. If he dies, you have to assume. She's way past her, uh, a lot of time. Yeah, yeah it seems yeah. like it, like it should have been like a video game thing where he's the big boss though. Like, where it's weird right. that they look exactly the same as their. I guess, but she's the servant, like so she has to destroy the painting. He's totally dependent on her too. Yeah, but I just weird flattening of them and like yeah they just disappear. Yeah, it would need like it's tough. It would need like a forty-five minute episode to probably uh, flesh out. Although I, yeah. I don't like generally 
like I was being I know you think like sometimes I'm not being sincere in my arguments but I was being sincere in the fact that like I rather maybe le- know less about this one mm. like I think maybe the more they would have explained like the head it would have been like ugh it's true um so I, I kind of like it uh, a little vague yeah um if you could uh write an episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark do you have any like conceptual ideas no <laughs> But but I think um, I would probably tend towards the mirror style. Like I like one element. I like one central element that gets like developed and like seen in different ways. Okay. I do like that rather than like the bigger, more convoluted story. Like I would opt for simplicity. But I mean I, I mean we were talking about this um, when you were talking about just how hard it is to write. And I, like it makes so much sense why this is such a hard one to write. Yeah, yeah. To me. Well, Chris? Was... Well, well, I don't know if we'll get to do it again. Oh, yeah, this You're, could be... This my... will be maybe, your, for a while, your my, last in-person. My last in-person for a while. Yeah. yeah. So we'll have to call you. Well, you went up with a bang, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, so that's how I like You're, you're one and oh. One and oh. Or, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. No, wait. You judged. I judged. You judged yeah, Max yeah, and yeah, Melissa. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um... <laughs> Uh, so that wraps up our second episode of Podtober, but what are we doing next? Oh, next week we're talking about one that I think a lot of people have been waiting for. Oh, yeah. You can't do that on television. Oh. <laughs> yes, cue the slime. <laughs> uh, yeah. And what episode? Um, we're talking Halloween. Halloween. Nice. This is a, a rare episode that's available on YouTube, yeah. so if you want to prepare for it, just uh, search You Can't Do That on Television YouTube, uh, Halloween on YouTube, and it'll come up on, like, Looks like a little TV you're watching, yeah. but uh, you get the idea. <laughs> and uh, Kevin's joining us for that yep. one. Should, Should be, be good. Yeah. <laughs> Big Kev. Uh, I'm sure he's got some thoughts to drop on us. Oh, yeah. <laughs> In the meantime, if you want to drop some thoughts on us, uh, you can get on, uh, You can find us at Twitter at BOC Podcast, at Instagram at Orange Couch Podcast. You can email us at orangecouchpodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Podbean. You can find us on iTunes. Uh, a bunch of people have been leaving uh, star ratings, which is really helpful to us. Um, spread the word about Podtober. If you like um, yeah. creepy Nickelodeon talk, you know, tell someone. Tell a friend. Tell a friend. And speaking of friends. Uh, <laughs> I am your friend. You, yep. yeah, I'm you know how we end the episodes. Uh, no, I'm, I don't know what I'm supposed to say now. I just say bye. But Speaking well, we always bio. just turn it over, saying like, you know, oh, it's just been wonderful having you. Oh, oh you know what? Before you go, hold on. Uh, so it's been coming up. Um, started with Brett. Um, pants or shorts? Pants. Good. Yeah. Good. Not even close. Good. You know, Brett. Shorts, of course. <laughs> but he Brett, wears pants a lot. Yeah, but Brett infamously has gone his whole life never wearing jeans. If you have ever seen Brett in jeans, it is one of the oddest sights. Not because he looks weird. No, in I them. feel like yeah. he always does now. But kinda. because not blue jeans though. No, not yeah, blue yeah, jeans. Yeah. yeah, not blue jeans. Yeah. So, which is like you know the most common pant. <laughs> <laughs> the Gary. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so I Brett and shorts go way back uh, with that relationship, and his aversion to blue jeans uh, goes. As far back as well. <laughs> wow. Very good. Well, uh, we'll see you guys uh, next time for more Podtober.
Do you know who he's going to pick? I have no idea. You. Yeah. Really?